You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. It is December 21st, 2020. You are listening to episode 63 of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. I am, of course, Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to not record too, too long today. I know that it is the week of Christmas, Christmas Eve, all of that, and so a lot of you are going to be either trying to get through the last couple of days of your work week before the holidays, or you're traveling, or you're getting ready for family to come to you. And so I want to be conservative with the amount of time of my own that I take up in recording this week. I also want to be considerate of the amount of time that you have and recognize that people have busy lives, especially with the holiday season. I don't want to monopolize your time, but I want to give you an update on how, and this is why we homeschool is going. And I've got a schedule now. So I came up with a spreadsheet here, when I very first started the book, I talked about this a little bit in my episode, and this is why we homeschool, which was episode, uh, let's see, 51. That was episode 51, so a while ago, about a dozen episodes ago. I talked about the spreadsheet that I built for tracking my progress as I was working on writing the book. And so what I did on Sunday, yesterday, is I went ahead and I copied that tab on the spreadsheet and I basically reformatted it. I changed my outlook from checking my actual word count against my targeted word count for each chapter, for each section, for the whole book. And I changed that to how many chapters are there, and as I go through and I edit each chapter, I will change a zero to a one for that row, and then I've got my formulas and everything, they're still in place to where the spreadsheet will look at my actual versus my goal, and then it will come up with a percentage as I go to tell me where I'm at in the editing process. So I came up with a schedule because I was thinking to myself, I've got two weeks. I've got a limited amount of time here. It's going to be a busy couple of weeks. I just picked up a deer that uh, was given to us from uh, a guy that I work with, J.D. Foster. His dad shot a deer, and they just don't have room for it in their freezer. So J.D. reached out to me. He said, hey, do you guys want a deer? I said, yeah, absolutely. He says, okay, cool. Well, come get it. We've got it. Uh, it is hanging up. It's cold, so it's uh, been keeping very well. But uh, it's the whole deer minus the hide minus the head. And uh, so we'll have that to process over the next couple of weeks. It shouldn't be too, too bad. Uh, I'm going to make it just kind of a quick process, uh, quartering and getting the backstrap meat and all that. I'm not going to work too hard to get uh, meat off of the ribs One of the back legs is uh, all shot up, so I don't know how much meat I'm going to be able to get off of that if I don't want to have clots, which I don't. Uh, So that's going to be going on. And then, of course, we've got my father-in-law and my brother-in-law staying with us through Christmas. And uh, in the case of my father-in-law, he'll be staying with us through almost uh, the end of the year. And so we've got holidays. I've got my family to celebrate with and to spend time with and to watch Christmas movies with. But 
I didn't want to either throw myself headlong into editing my book and then neglect all of that. Uh, everything else that is going on. I've got a computer that I need to troubleshoot. My wife's computer was sitting on the main floor of our house in the sitting room. <clears throat> One of our children had a cup of water that got knocked over on the desk and it ended up spilling a little bit into the computer tower. And voila, just like that, the computer doesn't want to work right now. So I'm going to have to do a little bit of process of elimination, swapping some parts out. I've got two identical machines, pretty much, that I can swap pieces out with until I find uh, the piece that swapped out makes the thing work. So that's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, on one of these days, i got to get that computer up and running again. Hopefully it's the motherboard <clears throat> because I actually have a spare motherboard that I ordered by mistake or rather I had a concern that the motherboard that I very first ordered for this rig was uh, not working early on so I bought a new one <clears throat> and so I have one and I uh, hope it's that because I already have it but I've got that to do. I've also got a th smart thermostat to install that will hopefully maintain an even temperature throughout the house, whether it's summer or fall or winter or spring. And that should lower our electric and uh, gas bills, our utility bills, hopefully a little bit. But I've got those things going on, and I didn't want to dive headlong into my book and then end up without time to spend with my family, spend on doing other things, working on other projects, or just relaxing, just enjoying the holiday season myself, not just for their sake, but also for my sake. And I also didn't want to <clears throat> get into all of the other things over the next two weeks. And then if basically procrastinate, forget that I have a book to work on and tell myself, oh, I've got two weeks, I've got two weeks, I've got two weeks. Oh, what? what? Oh, my two weeks is almost over. And I still got all of this editing to do. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to end up at the last minute realizing I don't have enough time to finish this. So I've got a schedule mapped out that I just kind of added onto the tab that I copied that is going to allow me to keep track of as I edit a chapter, what percentage of the weight complete is my book on the editing process. And my schedule is basically like this. So starting today, I edit and record the audio for chapters one and two. Tomorrow is three and four. Wednesday is five and six. Thursday is seven and eight. So on and so forth. Until Tuesday, which is December 29th, if I stay to the schedule, if I keep to it, if I maintain the kind of progress that I'm hoping to, by next Tuesday, I will finish editing and recording chapters 17 and 18. And that'll be that. That'll be the a wrap. On next Wednesday, which is the 30th, which is my son Solomon's uh, 11th birthday, I'm going to rewrite the introduction to the book. I wrote a rough introduction at the beginning of the process, but as the project evolves and as you see events unfold, you know, a lot of things have happened in the country since I wrote the introduction that I did write. I want to incorporate those things into the introduction so that readers in the present who are picking up the book, for one, are going to get a good idea of what the book is actually about versus what it maybe was going to be about, what the emphasis was going to be within the general category, the general subject when I very first started it. How is the book now? And am I introducing the book that I actually wrote? Or am I still introducing the book that I was going to write? Because 
invariably the project evolves and it takes a different shape as you get into it as you realize hey you know what i want to take a turn here and i want to add this and maybe i'm going to leave that out and etc etc so i'm going to rewrite the intro hopefully next wednesday on the 30th and i'm also going to rewrite my special thanks and the special thanks section is going to be here are the people that helped to make this book possible first of all thank you to god for blessing me, I think, with an ability to write this. He's given me breath in my lungs. He has given me life. He sustains my life. He's given me the things that I need in order to live. And he's also, I think, within that, given me a particular skill set and a particular perspective on this. And by his word and his spirit, he has guided us, he's guided me to the conclusions that I've come to, I believe, which... I want to convey to others. I want to encourage others by communicating these things in a clear way that helps them, that gives them permission to be wholesome, as I've heard somebody say here recently. I want to give people a permission to be wholesome in a time, in a circumstance, in a culture that is so often everything but wholesome, which rebels against any idea of traditional virtue as a matter of course. I want my book to give Christian moms and dads permission to be wholesome in the way that they're bringing up their children and the way that they're orienting their family and their own lives and their perspective on things to where they don't feel like they're taking crazy pills if they're thinking these things. I want to help them by giving them language to encourage and build them up and to edify them by God's grace to God's glory and for their benefit, for their family's benefit for their family and their posterity's benefit for generations to come, ideally. So I'm going to rewrite the introduction. I'm going to rewrite uh, my special thanks. I have it right now in there where I, I'm giving credit to God and I'm giving credit to my parents for having homeschooled me. They weren't perfect. I'm not perfect. Guess what? You're not either. But that choice that they made decades ago to homeschool myself and my brother, I would not have been able to write this book without and so I want to thank my parents, my mom and my dad for having chosen to homeschool my brother and I because that was a sacrifice. It did involve giving up certain things and uh, not having certain relationships with people that at that time thought homeschooling was just crazy. They thought that that was just bananas, that a parent would not send their kids to the American public schools, that they would instead educate them at home. So I want to give thanks to them. I want to give thanks to my wife for homeschooling our children, for partnering with me in such a diligent way in teaching our children so well, in loving them well, in mothering them well. I want to give thanks to my cousin Micah Hirschberger, who's been a writing collaborator for me in the blogging, in the novel writing before that, which I hope to get back to. I hope to have the wherewithal in terms of my schedule, my time, uh, all of that at some future date, though not yet. I want to give thanks to the people that I've sent my manuscript off to who have given me feedback, who have committed to giving me feedback, however much or however, however little they have uh, given me feedback just for the encouragement that they were willing to read my book, that they were willing and they were interested. And even if they just said, hey, that sounds really interesting, I want a copy of your book, that goes into the fuel tank for finishing the task because I want this book to be something that 
when they're reading it, it's a benefit to them. It helps them to realize some things if they were trying to put the pieces together, connect the dots. I also want it to be something that affirms them if they've already put the dots together and connected them, if they are homeschooling parents, if they were homeschooling parents, and they need some encouragement. I hope they find it here. And I really want parents that are thinking about homeschooling and they're nervous about it and they're apprehensive and they're feeling insecure. I want them to be able to pick up this book and for it to be a help to them, for it to help them through that decision-making process, even if at the end of the day, it doesn't result in them homeschooling their children. I want them to come away having learned and been affirmed in the fact that they are responsible for their child's education. They are, by God's grace and according to God's word, called to train up their children in the way that they should go so that when they are older, they will not depart from that way. I want those parents to pick up my book and be affirmed in those good things. And even if they're not Christian parents, even if they're parents that don't know Jesus and they're not sure what they think about the Bible and they're not sure what they think about Christianity and the gospel and all of that, I want this to be a vehicle for building out the fact of the worldview that God is the creator, that Jesus is the Messiah, that everything is from and to and for God, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, that we ultimately do not even belong to ourselves, but we were bought with a price. And that means something. It means something for the way we interact with our spouse. It means something for the way that we orient our home. It means something for the way that we approach our vocation. That means something for the way that we talk with our neighbors and our coworkers and the people in our community and our extended family and our friends. It means something. And this is one of the areas, one of the parts of life in which it is impactful. That is how we educate our children. How we raise our children is different. We are against child abuse because our children are made in God's image and they possess inherent value, worth, dignity, and importance because they are not just some animal. They're not just some descendant of, uh, you know, a pool of, of goo that was struck by lightning millions of years ago. They're not just the descendants of some primate and some ape. They are made in the image of the Almighty. And as such, in believing that we don't have a deistic God, we have an active, sovereign God who watches over and sustains the universe, who rules the universe, we are accountable and will be accountable for the way that we treat human beings made in his image, for the way that we interact with the creation, for the way that we interact with him. One of the ways that we interact with him is that we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Jesus says the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. The second is like it, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Sometimes your children are your neighbor because ultimately they're not just your children, they're God's children. And so how are you, how am I doing in the stewardship department when it comes to treating God's image bearers as though the Imago Dei means something and as though God will ask us about how we treated the least of these. So I want this to be a vehicle for evangelistic Christian worldview defense for apologetics. 
in a certain sense, not as the primary goal of the work, but as a secondary goal, as a thing which hopefully is fruitful in and of itself. Because honestly, when I write the book, This Is Why We Homeschool, my belief in God's word, my belief in God's holiness and his right to rule, his right to tell us what is true and what we ought to do and what we ought to be about, how we ought to go about living. My belief in that informs my decision as a husband and as a father in the way that I've organized my home and the way that I lead my family. And I want that to be a value even to those who are not Christians. Now you might say, well, what's the point, right? If they're not Christians, then all those arguments are going to fall on deaf ears. Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe those parents that are not Christians haven't been to church since they were little kids because they think church is full of hypocrites that don't actually believe the things that they're saying they believe. They don't live according to the scriptures. They don't even repent and apologize and own it when they fail to live up to God's commands. And so why even go into that farce? It's worse than not trying at all to go and pretend that you're trying and then to do the exact opposite of what you're claiming you believe. And so I don't want those parents to pick up this book and say, ah, yep, here's another one. Here's another pretender at virtue. Here's another mountebank. Here's another person who wants to think that they're better than I am because they've made a decision that I can't make. Because they might be thinking to themselves, for one, yes, that's a good idea, but we're not equipped. My marriage is not in a condition to where we can withstand that. My relationship with my children is not in a position where we could do this well and maintain our sanity. And my relationship with my community at large is not such to where we could weather the cost, weather the slings and arrows that would be sent our way if we decided to homeschool. And so I'm just not even going to get into that. But that's one of the things I realized as I was writing this book is there's so many things that, you know, it could be the death of a thousand qualifications if you let it, but it also could be an opportunity for building out the fact that this needs to be a comprehensive approach to orienting your family. It it can't just be your kids stay home from school and then you open books and you read to them and, and that's that. You know, how do you homeschool? That is downstream of why you homeschool. And as a Christian parent, the implications of teaching my children, my wife teaching my children, the implications cannot be limited to education. In other words, the way that we approach our marriage, the fact that we're married, for one thing, the fact that we are committed to a marriage, for one thing, that is also shaped and influenced And it has to be directed by the same motives which direct and guide our choice on education. And so, yeah, you know what? We're going to work hard to have a healthy, strong, enduring, gracious marriage. Not for the end of homeschooling, right? Because the homeschooling is not the be-all, end-all. That is not the end unto itself. Homeschooling is supposed to be a means to the end of being good stewards of our children, being good stewards of the responsibility, the privilege that it is to be moms and dads. Homeschooling, I believe, is a means to the end of giving our children not just an academic head knowledge sort of approach to their vocation someday and the way that they interact with the world around them. It's not just 
an opportunity to keep them from bad influences because you can have bad influences at home, right? You can have bullying at a local public school. You can also have bullying in your own house if you're not guiding your children to treat one another in a respectful way. Again, going back to the Imago Dei, I want my children <clears throat> to respect one another, to be kind and gracious to one another, to love one another because they are not the only ones that are made in God's image. Their siblings are made in God's image, right? So I want my children to interact with each other, not in a bullying way, but the be all end all is not to homeschool my kids so that we can keep them from sex, drugs, and rock and roll in broader society. It's not just to shelter them from the bad influences. It's not just to keep them from committing suicide because teen suicides are at a ridiculously high uh, rate of occurrence. The goal is not just to keep our kids from learning about evolution and not hearing about creation. The goal really has to come down to, at the end of the day, loving God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, loving those other human beings those other members of mankind who have been made in God's image, loving them as we love ourselves because the same inherent value and worth and dignity which resides in us by virtue of being made in God's image also resides in them. So I want this book to be valuable and I'm going to give special thanks to a number of people. We'll see who all gives me feedback before the process is concluded. But at present, I have feedback from at least four people, five people. Uh, actually, I think you could say more rightly specific feedback of what they like, what they don't like, uh, what's good about it. So far, my wife has been instrumental in the first half of the book, which I read out loud to her chapter by chapter as I wrote it. And that really did help me because she would say, oh, that's really good. That's a good point. Or uh, what about this? Or uh, yeah, the, it does sound pretty rough. And then I go back and I polish it a little bit and then I read it again. Yeah, that does sound better. That's good. Um, you know, I got feedback from my cousin, Micah Hirschberger on the first half of the book so far. And this was a while ago. And I understand, you know, we've got holidays that we're in the midst of right now. So he's got things going on. And the other people on the list have got things going on. None of, none of them have, so far as I know, been able to read the entire book just yet. But he gave me feedback on the first half of it, and I showed him the outline. I showed him what the, the goal was, and he thought, you know, at least what I remember of what he told me was, hey, this is really good. This is really solid. Uh, this looks really well done, actually. I'm really excited about what you're working on here. And he's somebody that has a uh, personality that is inclined towards organization and things being orderly and flowing one to another, to another, to another. And so that's high praise coming from him. If he looks at the outline, he looks at the flow of the argument as it uh, weaves its way through the different chapters and the sections and all that. And he says, yeah, this, this makes sense. It's connected in an intuitive way, one thing to the next, to the next. Uh, I've also gotten feedback from my dad. He uh, let me know back on the third he was really enjoying my book. Uh, he said he'd read the first 33 pages, but he said it was great and uh, wanted to give me that small update. Uh, a couple of days later, he said he was up to page 71, still great, wouldn't change a thing. And uh, he thought it was funny. There was a little something I include where I'm dealing with the objection that parents might have that they uh, can't homeschool their kids because their kids are just not 
well behaved enough and they don't listen well enough and they don't think that would go well if they were teaching them at home. It would drive them crazy. And I actually point out that that is part of the evidence that you should consider homeschooling because if your kids are not disciplined, if they're not listening to you as their mom and dad, if they haven't learned to obey their mother and their father and the Lord for this is right, then where else are they going to learn it except for at home? Who else are they going to learn it from except for you? If you're expecting them to learn it in the schools, you might want to double check your math there. <clears throat> so I, I point out or I make a, an observation that a lot of these public school parents who say they can't homeschool their kids, they don't think it's possible, they seem to act as though they got a different batch of kids than the homeschooling parents did. It's like you're you're either born with it or you're not, this innate ability to obey your mom and dad and the homeschooling parents we just happen to get a good batch of kids and so that's why we're able to homeschool and the public school parents they just happen to get a bad batch and so these kids are defective they got to go off to public school because they just don't listen to mom and dad well actually hold the phone that's not what it is we didn't get a ba different batch of kids we didn't get fundamentally inherently different uh quality different nature of children we have approached our child rearing responsibilities differently, not just in the home education uh, category or aspect, but in the discipline aspect, we train our children more comprehensively perhaps than the public school parents do, in part because, hey, you've got to maintain order when you've got your kids home all the time, but in part also because we're reading what God says about the purpose of family, the purpose of marriage, the purpose of parenting. We're reading our responsibilities from the text. That's part of why we homeschool, actually. The same reason why we discipline our children is the same reason why we homeschool. It's not one causes the other. It's both are caused by the same root uh, cause. So my dad thought that was funny. Uh, so far, from what I heard uh, about two weeks ago, he was still liking it. I need to follow up with him and ask him, uh, if he's had a chance to finish it or what he's thinking now, if he's got any additional observations as I get into the editing process. So I also talked with Bobby McPherson at the Reformed Conservative. Bobby's been a friend of mine for a number of years. We both kind of started out around the same time with the blogging thing. And we've collaborated over the years. He has uh, reshared some of my content on the Reformed Conservative. And uh, we've just been able to compare notes and encourage one another as we've been going along in this process. And I appreciate his feedback. Uh, he's been busy with his projects. Uh, he teaches some college courses. And he's working on, I believe, his master's degree in philosophy, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, smart guy, really sharp, very attentive to detail, and very philosophical. He went over and... Uh, I think it was last year that he studied under Roger Scruton over in uh, the UK for a year. And uh, so a big name there, Roger Scruton, was kind of the, the father of uh, modern political conservatism in Great Britain and uh, was a mentor to Margaret Thatcher back in the day. Very uh, highly acclaimed, very smart guy. And uh, Bobby McPherson, his feedback so far was to add maybe some statistics to catch the reader's attention as I go, uh, in addition to the anecdotal evidence, add some statistical evidence to support the claims that I'm making. 
he also had some, uh, you know, he said nitpicky. I didn't, I don't think they're nitpicky. I think they're good observations that uh, I'm going to incorporate as I'm reading through and I'm working on the book. I'm going to look out for these things. But he said, you know, eliminate the phrase in my opinion, because when the reader is looking at that, they know that this is your opinion. You're being redundant. They know that this is your opinion. So just say what you think and they'll know, they'll note that this is just what you think. Uh, you don't have to tell them it's your opinion every time you share your opinion. So that's a good idea. Good point. Uh, that'll streamline the, the book a bit, I think. Uh, also, he suggested getting away from you, the reader. You know, if I'm t saying something, you, uh, you know, I'm, I'm addressing the reader. If I say you, the reader understands that I'm talking to them, the reader. And so I don't have to say you, the reader, unnecessary redundancy. I don't think that's a nitpicky thing. Uh, Bobby, thanks for pointing that out. Uh, that can be cleaner. That can be a little bit of uh, trimming of the fat. Uh, also, uh, less subtlety in general. You know, if my target audience is people who are uh, feeling a little bit overwhelmed and forlorn by all of this, I should not assume too much on what is and is not clear and apparent on the front end. I should make the connections between ideas that I'm presenting explicit where I believe that they're explicitly clear. I should make those similarly explicit for the audience. If the audience has not put these things together yet, that's why they picked up the book. That's what they need help with. That's what I'm supposed to be doing for them. Uh, good point. I should be a little less subtle. Sometimes I think I'm being artful if I'm subtle and uh, sometimes I'm just not being as clear as I could be. So great reminder there. Thank you, Bobby. Very good, helpful uh, advice. I also had the pleasure of talking with another author that lives here in Colorado. I was put in touch with by my wife's uncle, Gary Duff, in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, this author is Jason Diffner. He wrote the book Families in Covenant Succession. I believe it was published 2014. He's right now working on a major revision of the book, which uh, he's going to publish through Kindle Direct Publishing here um, soon. Uh, I should say to Bobby McPherson, he is uh, working on a book. It's a Translation of Prinster Van Groen, I think is the name of the guy. I apologize, Bobby. I should know better. Uh, anyways, it's a Dutch philosopher, legal theorist, uh, as I understand it. I'm not as expert in philosophy as Bobby is. Bobby is a very knowledgeable person who can just readily command uh, you know, references to specific philosophers and what they wrote and what they thought and how instrumental they were. He's very knowledgeable on that. So look out for Bobby McPherson. Uh, he is going to have, I think, some very good work published in the future, in the not too distant future. He is working on getting translations from Dutch uh, philosophers uh, published in English, getting them translated, getting them published. And he's working on starting his own publishing company, actually, where he's going to be publishing his own works. Uh, very exciting stuff for Bobby. I hope he uh, is successful with that. And uh, I think, honestly, you know, anything that we're doing for the Lord, uh, if we are doing it according to his word and his spirit, whether it is successful as the world counts success, it is successful because God watches. You know, Jesus says, when you give, don't give as the hypocrites do, who announce they're giving with trumpets. Give secretly so that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. You give in a way that even if God is the only one who knows that you gave, then that's enough for you. He sees he's going to reward it. So success is not predicated on how many books we sell, how 
famous we get, how many people know our name, and the things that we think and the things that we say, how many people listen to us, that's not how we measure success as Christians. If God gives us uh, notoriety, hopefully not infamy, if he gives us uh, some wherewithal and we are successful financially by God's grace, so be it, that's fine. But whether or not we are, so long as we're being found faithful and we're being good stewards of what he's entrusted to us, that at the end of the day is what our goal is. That is what our goal needs to be so that we hear those words, good and faithful servant, well done, enter into your place of rest. But Jason Diffner, I really appreciated his uh, 30-minute uh, phone call with me. He got a copy of the manuscript from Gary Duff in Omaha, and he said he really likes the first half of the book. Everybody so far has gotten to the first half of the book. I haven't talked with anybody yet who's gotten into the second half of the book, so I'm excited to see that, but I've got several days of work to do on the first half of the book. I should be done if I'm on schedule by about uh, the middle of the process on Christmas Day. I plan to get up early in the morning, work on the book while the house is quiet, and then once everybody's up and awake, then I'll, I'll be joining in the festivities and I won't have to worry about getting distracted or, or frustrated or whatever. But about middle of the day on Friday, I should, if I'm on schedule, be through the first half of the book. And so the feedback I've gotten so far, it's timely. If that's all they've read is the first half, that's fine. Good job, whatever. Uh, the second half of the book, hopefully I have some feedback from people, some specific feedback on what they liked, what they didn't like, what is rough, what could use some work, what could be better, uh, what needs to be adjusted. Hopefully I have that by Friday, Saturday of this week. And in the meantime, I appreciated Jason's feedback that he liked uh, the conversational tone of the book. It's very accessible. I'm not talking over people's heads. Um, I do struggle sometimes with being a little too subtle, but overall, he said it's a very conversational, it's very accessible uh, book. And uh, he had questions initially whether I was going to reference authorities on some of the conclusions I draw about the public education system. And then he said he got to my book, uh, chapter eight, Plato, Frederick, John, and You, he was reading that and he said, ah, okay, well, there it is. Never mind. So that's my chapter dealing with the history of American public education. He read that, saw the quotes, saw my tracing the ideas back through history to explain how we got the public education system and its philosophy that we have in America now. He read that and he said, oh, okay, great. Never mind. That, that did it. That covered it. So good feedback on that. And, uh, yeah, I was excited to talk with him from the standpoint of talking with another author, somebody who has published a book, who's been through this process before, who knows the kind of feedback that's going to be helpful. Um, expecting, you know, he, he will finish the book before the end of the year, and he will be giving me feedback on the latter half of the book. But even just so far as uh, he did have some, some ideas and some thoughts, some reflections, some, uh, you know, not even so many criticisms, really, more observations. Uh, it was really good and encouraging to me to hear those from him. And so anyway, thanks to Jason Diffner, Bobby McPherson, uh, my dad, Byron Mullet, my wife, Lauren Mullet, and my cousin, Micah Hirschberger. Thanks to all of you who have gotten back with me so far. And uh, thanks to <clears throat> Paul Pavlik and Lucas Abernathy and Chad Cohoon and Marla Mullet Hirschberger, one of my dad's younger sisters. Uh, you know, thanks to all of you. Thanks to Gary Duff 
and Sherry Duff, any feedback that you were still going to give to me at some point here, uh, appreciate it in advance. And um, yeah, you know, look for this book to come out hopefully early January. What I'm planning on doing is going the Kindle Direct publishing route, publishing the Kindle version, <clears throat> publishing a paperback version, and also having an audiobook version. So I'm going to record, by God's grace, each of the chapters as I finish editing them. That'll be part of the editing process because you read it out loud and then you hear some of the typos, some of the clunky, awkward sentences, things that could be a little better phrased that are a little hard to say and therefore maybe a little hard to understand as people are reading it. I'm going to record as I go. So hopefully you'll be able to get the Kindle version if you want it, the paperback version if you want it, or the audiobook version if you want it here in January. And uh, so wish me luck, pray for me that this uh, editing process goes well, this end of the uh, you know, book writing uh, piece, that it launches well, that I didn't just build the rocket well, I launched it well, and it goes where it needs to go instead of exploding on the launch pad or uh, you know, in the upper atmosphere. Pray for me that I do well and I finish this in an excellent way, in a skillful way, in a way that helps people and honors God. If you can pray for me in that regard, I would really appreciate it. But uh, I expect to, and I intend to, <clears throat> record some little brief, short episodes. They might get shorter as the week goes on. I thought maybe I would just not record at all uh, for the rest of the holiday season as I'm working on this. But I think it'll help actually to kind of process a little bit of how I'm doing this, what I'm doing, give you an update to keep you interested, kind of give you appetizers along the way. But anyways... Uh, we'll probably be coming back again with another episode of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show tomorrow and the next day and the next day. It might be short episodes, but giving you some updates, talking about what's going on in the world and uh, kind of unloading my brain, kind of clearing the uh, the cache, if you will, so that I am more clear-headed about the, the writing process. So anyway, that's all I got for today. And uh, till tomorrow, God bless and thank you. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you heard today, visit the homepage for On The Rocks blog at onthe.rocks. Also, check out On The Rocks blog podcast with Micah Hirschberger weekly on Anchor FM. If you haven't yet done so, hit subscribe to this podcast also. And you can reach Garrett Ashley Mullet with any comments, questions, or complaints at garrettmullet at gmail.com.